follow through tonight and make sure you get the words to fill in your handout without the screen. But uh, I'm glad we don't have to rely on a screen to hear from God. Amen. I'm glad we can just hear from God anytime that His Word is preached, His Word is opened, and His Word is spoken from. So we thank God for that opportunity tonight. Acts chapter 9, and uh, I'm going to, if I can tonight, I usually don't read a lot of Scripture to start off a message, but I'm going to read this story tonight if you'll follow along with me. Acts chapter 9, the conversion of Saul, who we mostly know as the Apostle Paul. Uh, But let's read this story of his conversion. Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, talking about Christians, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Terry and I were talking today about this passage, and he talked about that statement there. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. He said he almost thinks sometimes that, that God has a little bit of a, I guess we would call it a sarcastic side sometimes, and God speaking to Saul here and saying, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. It's real hard for you to keep going against conviction, isn't it? It's just real hard, and God keeps, God keeps working, and God keeps moving, and God keeps, keeps speaking to somebody's heart. And he said that here. He said, it's hard, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. It's hard for you to resist my conviction. It's real hard for you to, to battle against me, isn't it? And you can just see God knowing what God knows, knowing what the Apostle Paul is going to be. And God saying this here. In verse 6, he goes on to say, And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he uh, saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. We'll take our text tonight out of those last two verses, verses 15 and 16, with the thought in between salvation and heaven. You know, if God, if the only reason God saved us is to take us to heaven, then I firmly believe that as soon as we trust Christ and as soon as we get saved, then God will take us right away to heaven. But I'm glad that that's not the case. I'm glad that there is something 
in between salvation and heaven. There's something that God has for us. And you know, the thought tonight that I want to bring out to you is that there is some excitement about the Christian life. The Christian life is something that you and I have a part of that is really a wonderful thing. And tonight, we want to turn our attention to what God has for us in between the time we get saved and the time that we go home to be with the Lord. And it's those things that's in between salvation and heaven. Now, my salvation is exciting. I'm excited tonight that I am saved. I'm excited over my salvation experience. I'm excited over the night that God walked into my life as a young child and saved me. I'm excited about that experience. And you know what? I'm excited about what's going to happen down the road one day. I'm excited about one day going to heaven. I'm excited about seeing Jesus face to face. I'm excited about one day I will. Amen. I'm excited about the gates of pearl. I'm excited about the streets of gold. I'm excited about the walls of jasper and seeing that heavenly city. I'm excited about going to heaven where there will be no more pain, no more crying, no more death, no more tears. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about one day. I'm excited about what happened to me in the past. But you know what? There's a lot of stuff in between there that gets me excited too. And so tonight we're going to talk about in between salvation and heaven. Let's pray. Our Father, one more time we come to you in this service acknowledging that we need your power, acknowledging that we need your strength right now. Father, if you do not speak through this message, then Lord, it will just simply be words coming out of my mouth that will have no lasting impact at all. But if you do the speaking tonight, and if you work in my heart, and if you work in the hearts of those that are gathered in this building, then Father, something will happen that can have an eternal impact in the lives of people. Father, we trust you tonight that that's going to happen. Will you pray for our teenagers tonight? Brother Terry, as he preaches to them, and our youth workers, and our Folks, as they're back there, Lord, and, and the teenagers are having their service, we ask you that you would give them a great time in you. And Lord, help them as they, Lord, try to worship you and as they lift you up and, and God turn their attention towards you. I pray that you would be with our Juana ministry tonight, Lord, as they are working with our children, working with young people from all over this neighborhood. We ask that you would bless in that ministry tonight. And once again, we do ask you to be with our preacher and help him. But Father, we turn our hearts towards you now ask you to bless during this message. In your name we pray. Amen. If I asked you tonight if you're thankful for your salvation, everybody in here that is saved would answer me with a resounding yes. It is a blessing to be saved. It's a blessing to know for sure we're on our way to heaven when we die. As I said, that's something to be excited about. But the excitement does not have to wait until we get to heaven. I have been around some Christians who acted like the Christian life was the worst thing that ever happened to them. And they went around all the time with their lip dragging the carpet and uh, just, I mean, upset about everything in the world and not excited about the fact that they were saved. You know what I learned a long time ago? My salvation means enough to me that it's worth getting excited about. God did not just save us to go to heaven as we talked about a moment ago, but there are some certainties that will excite us while we are trying to live for God in between salvation and heaven. Here's the first one of those tonight. This, this truth, this certainty excites me. Knowing this, that there is an exact purpose for my life. You fill in there on your handouts. There is an exact purpose for my life. What, look back in verse 15 with me. In the little phrase where God is speaking to Ananias and he said about Paul, he said, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. What was God saying? He was saying, I have a purpose for this man 
that you think of as a persecutor, you think of as somebody who cares nothing about Christianity. He said, I'm having, I have a purpose for this man. And you know what? That lets me know that God has a purpose for my life. In between salvation and heaven, there's something that God has a purpose for my life. And God has a purpose for each of our lives. And we will never experience true happiness unless we find out what that purpose is and we fulfill that purpose. We're never going to be happy in this life. We're never going to experience the greatest joys of Christianity unless we find out what that purpose is and we say, God, I want you to fulfill your purpose for my life. And God works in us, God works through us, and God does what God wants to do in us. And that's something to be excited about. There's an exact purpose for my life. It is exciting to know that God has something planned for my life. That's an exciting truth. To know that I'm not on this earth just to take up space or just to exist. I am on this earth right now because God has a purpose for my life and I get to fulfill that purpose. I get to do what God has for me to do. Under that, we'll look at a couple of things. There's an exact purpose for my life. First of all, another place that you can fill in there, there are tasks that God wants me to execute. Things God wants me to do, in other words. There, I guess, executing a task is kind of computer language, and me being a computer nerd, that's something I guess I came up with. There are tasks that God wants me to execute, or things God wants me to do. Verse 15, again, he says to, he will bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. He said, I've got certain things that, that this guy is going to do for me. There are things that God needs to be done. And listen carefully here. I'm the only one that can do certain things. You are the only one that can accomplish certain things God wants done. There are people that need to be touched, that God wants touched, that you know what? You're the only person that's going to be able to touch them. God wants to use you to do it. And if I don't fulfill God's purpose, if I don't walk in the will of God on a daily basis, I may miss that opportunity, and I may miss the opportunity of touching that person for Christ, and they never have another opportunity to be touched. There are certain things that God wants done, and I'm the only one who can do it. You're the only one who can do it. Someone else may have the ability to do it, but not the opportunity. Others may have the opportunity, but not the ability. But the truth of the matter is, God is going to give me and you the opportunity and the ability and the ability so that I can so that we can do the task that God needs done. You may have the opportunity to reach someone that God gave me the ability to reach, but didn't give it to you. I may have the opportunity to reach someone that I don't have the ability to reach. There are people going through things that honestly I have no idea what to say to them, but maybe you've been through it and you would be able to reach them. There are people that I may have the ability to reach, but God never gives me the opportunity. I'm sure that if I, if I went you know, overseas somewhere and, and witnessed the people on the street, I'm sure that, I, that probably I would end up, after a certain period of time, seeing somebody get saved. But you know what the truth of the matter is? I may never have that opportunity. What we need to realize is that God gives each of us opportunities and abilities. And every time God gives us an opportunity that we have the ability to do something about, we need to make sure we take advantage of it. Because there are certain things that God has for me to do, and there are certain things God has for you to do. Not only are there tasks that God wants me to execute, but there are also, secondly, there are trials that God wants me to endure. There are trials that God wants me to endure. Verse 16, he says, I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. 
Now, this is not the funnest part of the message, talking about trials. You know, there are, there are certain things that God wants me to go through that may not necessarily be pleasant, but they will have a purpose. I'm talking about an exact purpose for my life. There are certain things that God has for me to do. And if I don't do them, if I don't follow God, they may not get done. There are certain things God has for you to do. And if you don't follow God, those things may not get done. But not only that, there are things that God wants us to go through. There are trials that God has for us. He said, this guy is going to suffer for me. This guy is going to go through problems. This guy is going to go through difficulties. And you know what? That may be the case for my life. That may be the case for your life. It may be on a grander scale with, with some of us than others. But either way, God has certain trials that you and I are going to go through and trials that we're going to endure. And God always has a purpose for those things. Romans 8, verses, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. James 1, verses 2 and 3. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Wherein ye greatly rejoice. Talk about the salvation there. He says, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You say, why is it that God has allowed trials in my life? Why is it that God has allowed me to go through the things that I have gone through? You know as well as I do that none of us would be the people we are if not for the trials that we've gone through. When you walk through a dark valley and you find out that God is right there in that valley with you and then you see God bringing you out on the other side of that valley and you get on back on a mountaintop again, you look back and you say, you know what, that was not pleasant, but I'm glad God brought me through it because he had a purpose for it. There are trials that we must endure. There are tasks that God wants us to execute. But thirdly, there are triumphs that God wants us to experience. There are triumphs that God wants us to experience. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 2, 14, Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. There are some mountaintop experiences that God has waiting for me. There are some victories ahead of me that I can only dream about. God has some great things in my future that excites me, that encourages me to stay faithful to Him so that I will not miss those things that He has for me. There's a purpose for my life that excites the fire out of me tonight. I hope you're getting as much out of this as I am. I'm having a good time, amen? There's an exact purpose for my life. God has got certain things that only I can do. God's got some trials that he's going to teach me some things in that I won't learn any other way. But God also has some victories. God also has some triumphs. God also has some great things in store for me, and I'm excited about seeing what God has for me down the road. I like what's happening right now, but who knows what's happening, what's going to happen down the road. Either way, I need to make sure I stay in line with God so that I don't miss those victories and I won't miss those triumphs. There's an exact purpose. Think with me for a moment about Joseph. We're starting to study Joseph in our Sunday school class. And Joseph, God had a purpose for his life. And that purpose was down the road in Egypt. And that purpose was he was going to send him there to preserve people's lives. But the way he took him to Egypt is not the way Joseph would have chosen, I don't think. First of all, 
he makes his brothers jealous of him. Then his brothers get the opportunity and they sell him into slavery. He gets down there and they sell him into Midianite merchant men coming through. They take him down to Egypt on the slave block. He's auctioned off to the highest bidder. This man named Potiphar bids the highest and he gets to take him home. Well, things start looking up for Joseph. Potiphar sees he's a pretty good man and he makes him ruler over all his house. And Joseph says, well, things have turned around for me all of a sudden. I'm sure glad to see things working out. And then the next thing you know, Joseph's, or Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. He says no, trying to do right, trying to live for God. And she accuses him of rape. And the next thing he knows, he's down in the dungeon. I mean, just like that. It goes from being, his, being beloved of his father to being a slave in Egypt to now I'm a ruler over somebody's house. I'm doing well. Now he's in the dungeon. But it was in the dungeon that he met up with some of Pharaoh's servants who ended up, they were the cause of him getting out of the prison and they were the reason and they were the vessel that God used to get him to the position that God had for him all along. Things that God wanted Joseph to do, nobody else could have done. Trials that he endured and all God was doing was getting him to the place. Triumphs that he experienced and all God was doing was getting him to the place so he could fulfill the purpose. In between salvation and heaven, I'm glad God's got a purpose for my life. And there are things I can do. And that excites me tonight. Number two, not only is there an exact purpose for my life, but there is an enabling power for my life. Verse 15 again, he says, he will bear my name. God is talking to you, he said, Paul's going to bear my name. And if, if we're going to bear God's name, then I rest assured God's going to give us the power to do that. He's, he's almost, almost like he's saying, he's going to go in my power, he's going to share my word, he's going to spread my name, and I'm going to give him the power to do it. He said he's going to bear my name. God not only has a purpose for my life, but he also will give me the power that I need to accomplish that purpose. I am glad tonight and I am excited that I don't have to try to accomplish God's purpose in my strength. Because you know what? If it was up to me, I wouldn't last in the Christian life. If it was up to me to make things happen and to do things the way God wants them done, I'd never make the mark. I would constantly and consistently fail. But if I will walk in the power that God has provided to enable me to do those things that he wants done, then I find myself succeeding at what he wants done. But only do that when I walk in his power. There is an enabling power in my life. First of all, this power helps us to serve God. It helps us to serve God. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 gives us some encouraging words about our Christian service. It says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The power of God will enable me to keep serving Him even when I don't feel as if it's doing anything. It will keep me going on in discouragement. It will keep me going on in tough times. It will keep me going when things aren't going like I think they should. The power of God is what enables me to serve God even when it doesn't seem to be fruitful, even when it doesn't seem to be accomplishing anything. You say, I'm trying to serve God. It doesn't seem to be doing anything. Hey, keep serving because God has promised you will reap if you won't give up. You will see a harvest one day. You will see things come to pass. If you will just stay faithful to God, I promise you, God will be faithful to his word and God will be faithful to you. There's an enabling power for my life. That power enables me, number one, to serve God. 
But secondly, that power enables me to stand for God. It enables me to serve Him, but it also enables me to stand for Him. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Ephesians 6.13 says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. The power of God will enable me to stand for Him, even in the face of the devil's attacks, even in the face of the world's mockery. The, the power of God will enable me to stand for Him no matter what's going on. It's the power of God. You can't make it and I can't make it unless we do it in God's power. We try to do it in our own power and what happens? We fail. We falter. We fall. We don't make it. But trust me, if we'll go in the power of God, that power will enable us. It will enable us to keep serving Him even when it doesn't seem to be accomplishing anything. It will enable us to stand for Him when it just seems like we're the only one doing any standing. That power will enable you to stand for God on a job where nobody cares anything about God and the only time you ever hear His name is when it's followed by a curse word. That power will enable you to stand for Him. That power will enable you to stand wherever you go and whatever you do when people don't understand why you serve God. Maybe you've got family members that make fun of you and say, hey, you're stupid for following God. You're stupid for spending so much time at that church. Hey, you're foolish for doing that. The power of God is there to keep, keep enabling you and to keep helping you to stand in the face of all that. It's the power of God. It enables me to serve God. It enables me to stand for God. And thirdly, it enables me to stay with God. It enables me to stay with God. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. I like this verse. It's just an encouragement to my heart. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, be steadfast, be unmovable, be always abounding in the work of God. There's no reason to give up. There's no reason to quit on God. There's no reason to go looking somewhere else for help. Stay with God. It's His power we need to keep going. It's not our own power. I can't find the power I need in the man who stands behind this pulpit on a regular basis. He's not my power source. I cannot find power in my family. They're not my power source. I can't find power in you. I hope that doesn't deflate your bubble, but you're not my source of power. My source of power has to come from God. He's the only one who can enable me. He's the only one who can enable you. If you're depending on somebody else to help you serve God, to help you stand for God, and to help you stay with God, you are depending on something that is an inferior power source. The whole problem with that computer sitting up there the fellow came and looked at today is the power supply is messed up. He's got to replace the power supply. If the power supply is messed up, guess what? It's not doing what it's supposed to do. You can go up there and play with it all you want to, but that thing's not coming on. It's not going to accomplish its purpose without the right power. And you and I, it's the same way. We're not going to accomplish the purpose God has for us unless we do it in the power that God has for us. Are you depending on God's power tonight? What is it that you're facing in your life that's just got you so overwhelmed you don't know which way to turn or what way to go? There is a power available that we can trust, that we can rely on, that's unfailing, that is unending, that is, that is all-powerful. He's omnipotent. It means he is all-powerful. What did he say? All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. 
Jesus said that before he left this earth. And then Paul later on, I don't have all this written down, but I'm glad I'm remembering it all of it. Amen. God's helping me while I'm preaching. I hope y'all are getting something out of it. He said, Paul talked about Christ in you, the hope of glory. He said, all power is given unto me. And then he said, I'm going in you. What does that mean? That means we've got the power in us. Not in something we've done, but who lives inside of us. There is an enabling power to help us serve God, stand for God, and stay with God. Number three, there is an exact purpose for my life. There is an enabling power for my life. Thirdly, there is an encouraging provision for my life. There is an encouraging provision for my life. Verse 16, and I, I may be taking this a little bit for an application, but I think I can do it all right, and I think it's what God would have us say. He just starts off that verse by saying, for I will show him. He said, I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. But I want to take that phrase, for I will show him. And I think what God was saying there, I'm going to give him what he needs. I'm going to show him which way to go. I'm going to show him how to do those things that I'm wanting him to do. I will show him the things that he needs to be shown. I'm going to be there with him. I'm going to provide his needs. I'm going to give him what he needs to accomplish the purpose that I have for him if he will just stay in my power. I will show him. God not only has a purpose for my life, and God not only will give me the power to accomplish that purpose, but he also will provide me with what I need while I am accomplishing it. Three things God provides us with. Number one, God provides us with his presence. And that right there is enough to just stop and say glory about. Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Hebrews 13.5, he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What a blessing to know that God is going to be with me every step of the way. What a blessing to know that I can trust him even when I can't see him. A song, just I don't know the whole song, how it goes, but one phrase has always stood out in my mind, and it says, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. When you can't see God moving, Trust that he is doing it. What's, what's something that God has provided for us as we accomplish that purpose in his power? He has provided his presence. That is a blessing. That's something that they ought to excite you and it ought to excite me. The fact that God is with me every moment of every day, no matter what I face, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what may come in my way, God is with me every step of the way. I mean, it's... Sometimes I think I, I take that for granted. I don't really realize what that means. God is with me. God is in me. Everything I do, God's right there with me. Everything I face, God's right there with me. Everything, everything that happens in my life, I have somebody with me who has a power that goes beyond anything I can even imagine. I had some folks cleaning some spots out of my carpet this week at the house. 
He had some machines he had to plug in. He kept tripping breakers one way or the other. Finally, we got it all squared away. We're getting in different plugs and different breakers and so on and so forth. And finally, he was able to do the work that he needed. My power at home wasn't enough to get the job done. It was inferior. It wasn't enough. But I'm glad I can't say that about God's power tonight. I'm glad I can't say that about the power of God working in my life, that when I go to do something, I'm going to flip a breaker. When I go do something, he's going to shut down because it's too much for him to handle. Uh-uh. He's promised to provide me with his presence. And that presence is enough. Not only do we, are we provided with his presence, but secondly, we are provided with his peace. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I don't have to worry and fret over what's going on in my life or in this world around me. Now, sometimes I do. I have to be honest with you. There's some times when I do. There's things that come in my life, and I start worrying about them. But the truth of the matter is, I don't have to. I don't have to worry. I don't have to pace around trying to figure out what's going to happen because I have a God who is in control of it all and his peace gives me the assurance that everything's going to be all right. People tickle me about, and I don't, maybe you're this way and maybe I'm being callous, but they, people walking around and ever since all the stuff that's happened in our country over the last several months, people walking around in fear all the time. They're worried about going to the supermarket. They're worried about getting on a plane. They're worried about all this kind of stuff. You know what? We don't have to worry. God is in control. He is still on the throne. The last time I checked, he didn't decide that he was going to leave his throne and let take over. He's still on the throne. He's still in charge. He's still God. He's still able to take care of everything. One of the, the names of God that has, and I can't ever pronounce the Hebrew names, but one of, the, one of those names has the insinuation of him being an everlasting God. And it implies that God is not only everlasting, he, he, he is, has no beginning, has no end, but he is great enough to be God from beginning to end. He's as much God here as he is here as he is here. His power is never going to decrease or diminish. His ability is never going to stop. His ability, his, his power is never going to go away. God is still God. And I don't have to worry. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to go around fretting about everything, use a Bible word, to fret about everything that's happening. I've got a God who's in control. And if I'll trust him, he's promised to provide me with his peace. The third thing that he provides us with is his protection. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3, But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you, and keep you from evil. I do not know what dangers may lie ahead of me, but God does. And I can trust him to steer me clear of things that would be dangerous to me. He is my protection. He is my protection. God has promised to provide us with some things. And that provision encourages my heart tonight. To know that God's presence is going to be with me. To know that I have the peace of God in my life. To know that I have the protection of God on my life. That encourages me. 
What did he say in Philippians 4, 19? But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Time after time in my life, I've seen God do that. Still doesn't keep me from worrying sometimes, but time after time, he's done it. God's never failed me yet. He's not going to start now. He's not going to start with you. He's still God. What is it in between salvation and heaven that ought to just excite the fire out of us? Number one, there's an exact purpose for our life. God's got something for us to do. God's got a plan for our life. Secondly, there's a power that will enable us to do anything he wants us to do to accomplish that purpose. Thirdly, there's a provision that will encourage us as we are accomplishing that purpose. There's an exact purpose, there's an enabling power, and there's an encouraging provision. And that's something tonight that we can rejoice in. Take your prayer sheets if you would, and we'll go over a few things. Um, a couple of requests have been handed to me tonight. A couple of things that we need to mention. If you want to take a moment and grab a pen so you can write them down on the prayer sheet. Um, a lady by the name of Dee Crawley, C-R-A-W-L-E-Y. She is a, a waitress here at one of the restaurants in the area where some of our folks go quite often. They've got to know her a little bit, and she's facing some surgery on Friday at 10 o'clock. So if you would please be in prayer for her. Also, Miss uh, Betty Keith, Don and Betty Keith, they called, Miss Betty called me today, and their sister-in-law, her name is also Betty Keith, actually, um, but their sister-in-law has been sick for a while. They've had folks praying for her and everything, and she passed away. So if you would remember the Keith family in your prayers, um, and then let's take a look at our prayer list here. The missionary of the week is the Bakers. They're on deputation to serve in Nicaragua with Evangelism Missions Incorporated. Pray for them this week, if you would. Church of the week, First Baptist Church, Pastor Robert Walker. Miss Ron, is that where he's at this week? All right. Bluewell, West Virginia. I said Bluefield a little while ago. He is in Bluewell, West Virginia, First Baptist Church. Brother Robert Walker, continue to pray for them, if you would. And then our hospitalist, Margaret King, which is Linda King's mother-in-law. Kenneth Long is in Park Ridge. I saw him today, and uh, he is doing better, so continue to pray for him, if you would. And then Brother Jack Green, Steve Green's dad, he had surgery today. I spoke to one of the members of the family right before I came over here tonight, and uh, he came through the surgery okay. He's doing well. They're waiting. There's still some things they've got to wait on to see with him, so if you would... Remember him in prayer, if you would. And then uh, Brother Arlen's here tonight, uh, and uh, our sympathy goes out to him and his family. The death of his dad, Farrell Smith, had that funeral today. And uh, just a, a time of the family doing some rejoicing, and I don't think I've ever seen a funeral like it before. And uh, the family got up and sang and just rejoiced over the memory of a dad and a granddad uh, who just uh, was a real blessing. I never got the chance to meet him or know him, but I tell you what, he sounded like a pretty good fellow from everything that went on today. So our, our hearts and our prayers are with you, Brother Arlen, and your family at this time. And then, of course, the folks on the back that we have on there every week, folks that are praying, uh, we're praying for folks in our nursing homes and shut-ins and different things. So uh, continue to pray for those if you would. Let's take this time now, come to the altar, find you a place, and let's pray for the requests that are on our prayer sheet. And let's also thank God for the purpose he has for us, the power he has for us, and the provision he has for us. Yes. Brandon Berry um, had a, another episode Sunday night, so after church, so if you would please, I have not heard anything this week um, on him as far as what's going on with him or anything, but if you would please continue to remember him in prayer. 
uh, I think he was going to Vanderbilt this week. So let's remember him in prayer, if you would, and we'll hopefully have an update on him on Sunday. Let's find us a place, and let's pray. Our Father, as we come to you closing out this service tonight, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you do have a purpose for our lives. Thank you for that. That encourages us, Lord. Makes us feel special to know that you've got something that we can do for you. Thank you tonight for your power that it does enable us. It strengthens us. It helps us. Thank you for that power. Help us to take advantage of it, please, Lord. Thank you for your provision. Help us, please, Lord, to trust that provision. To trust that you are in control and that you, are, you know what's going on. Help us to trust you. We do pray tonight for our missionary here, the bakers. We ask that you would provide their needs so they can get to the field and begin to work for you. We pray for the First Baptist Church in Blue West Virginia. Brother Walker, ask you to bless that ministry. And again, please, give them a great service to end up their meeting this week with our preacher. And give him traveling mercies coming back. We pray for our folks in the hospital. We ask you to be with each one of them and help them. Will you pray for the Smith family? Pray for the Keith family during their time of loss. And Lord, we just ask you that you would be a very present help and a very real comfort to them during these times. Thank you that you have promised that you are there for us whenever we need you. God, thank you that we can turn to you in our time of need. And you will be there to provide. Thank you, Father, for that. I pray for this lady, the request that was given to us tonight, Miss Crawley. She's facing surgery on Friday. We ask that you would be with her and help her. Help us as we go our separate ways. Lord, give us traveling mercies. Bring us back safely on Sunday. And help us to remember this message tonight and be excited about our salvation. We'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you for being here tonight. Shake hands, say hello, and fellowship with somebody on the way out. And uh, be in prayer for our preacher as he travels back. And pray for a great day on Sunday.